0: Hi and welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the lands and airwaves where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded. land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and rising. Today I'm talking to McKay Wilday at Alta Trattoria in Fitzroy. McKay is a fascinating guy. He gives off a calm, unflappable and very assured vibe and he comes out with the most unexpected things. I knew I was going to enjoy talking more to him having spoken briefly to him when I was writing about Alta Trattoria, the restaurant he owns with Carlo Grossi, James Tate and Luke Drum for broadsheet. I knew he was Grossi alumnus, and I knew he'd worked at Geranium in Copenhagen, one of last year's top 50 restaurants. I did not know, and how would I, that he once dreamed of being a concert pianist, and that one of his first cooking jobs involved being in a pool of live lobster, and carefully selecting the night's catch without them wrapping around his legs. McKay has a wealth of knowledge about Ligurian, and in fact other Italian regional food, and this chat was absolutely worth being up very early on the Saturday morning of a long weekend. Hi, good morning. how are you? Yeah, good, good, yeah, good thanks.
1: Right.
0: Um, you've been getting such great reviews.
1: Yeah, it's been... It's been pretty good. <laughs> I cannot complain. Oh, it's super busy, huh?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, it's been very nice. So how
0: long have you been open now?
1: End of February open.
0: Yeah, that's right. Gosh, that's gone quickly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so end of February opened, and that's just been pretty consistent ever since. Yeah. This week's a bit quiet because of the long weekend, but what can you do?
0: So you're doing, obviously doing long hours if you're in here.
1: Sincerely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, usually I start at nine, but I just wanted to get yeah. in before all the noise. Yeah. It gets pretty noisy in here. It's a small restaurant. Yes.
0: (laughs) Do you open for lunch as well? Yes, so
1: we're open for lunch uh, Saturday and Sundays. And then just dinners every other day. Yeah. Seven days.
0: That's a lot. Mm. And are you in seven
1: days? No, I just work Tuesday to Saturday. Nice. Yeah. 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 I'm doing special shift tomorrow, Sunday. Okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because. um, that means that you have to, I guess, have trained your staff and, and to trust them to hand over the restaurant for the days that you're yeah. not there. But that's what it's all about, isn't it?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, look, Dane, I trust a lot. We work together at Grossi. So I know that his pasta work and bread making is good. So my main role in the kitchen when I'm in there prepping is to do pasta. Yes. And uh, the bread, no one else really can do that. Okay. Apart from Dane. Yeah, I'm very specific on it.
0: Yeah. So, how did you get that skill? Where did that come from?
1: Well, I guess when I started working at Grossi's, Um I started there in 2012 as a little apprentice. I was young, <laughs> and then um, yeah, I just got put on the pasta section, well, first larder, and then eventually pasta section. And I just got slammed every day every day huge amounts of pasta and if you know Grossi's, then you know they just one big pasta machine for all three restaurants so my section was that so i saw lots of different types of pasta being made and i got a real passion for it and i guess my passion for italian food grew while i was working at grossi. Well,
0: what is it a particular Is grossy because you're a particular kind of italian food here yeah. Piemontese, but is that Grossi? is it a bit more wide um, regionally wide
1: it is a bit more wide but um, guys parents of well his father is from the south of italy and his mother's from the veneto so i guess upstairs is yeah a bit of everything um probably mainly a bit more focused up like up the north part of italy i'm not sure how it is these days but when i was working there it was a bit of everything um the grill is like tuscan grill so Lots of good meats, very Tuscan influence. When I, when they did the massive renovations, down there, I helped them, like restart that, which was good. Um, yeah. And so, the the two specialty
0: pastas that you're doing here from the Piemont region. Mm. Tell me again about those. Because I really love the
1: way you yeah. described it for broadsheet. <laughs> yeah. So the tagliatini is a very very thin uh, tagliatini. Um, usually it's like super paper thin and it's just served with like butter or butter and sage or a type of ragu. If you go to a trattoria in, uh, in Piemonte, you kind of have like, there are four pastas with four different types of ragu and you can, or sauces that you can ch- choose from. You got like it in with tomato, in with ragu tagliarin with you know butter or butter and sage um so that shape is uh very classic to uh piemonte Mm. it's um a lot thinner than your normal tagliatelle very very thin it's very simple very simple up there um and that is just made with uh, semolina and egg yolks so that's how you can get it so thin is because semolina you can get out get rolled out super thin egg yolks is uh, like a good binding agent it's very strong and yeah and then you've got the ravioli del plin so agnolotti ravioli doesn't bother me what you call it if you want to get specific agnolotti has to be a very certain recipe in my opinion made with agnella or lamb that comes from a very specific region in Piemonte, in the Cunha region, Lange. If you want to call it on it has to be like that. Mm. That's in my opinion. Ravioli del Plin, I call it like that because that's how I learned. Uh, I learned from a Ligurian lady who was from Piemonte. And so anywhere that you're outside of the Cunha region, you call it Ravioli del Plin. And so obviously Plin is when you pinch the two sides of the pasta around the mix and then you fold it over. And that's how you get it. Plin is dialect to pinch in Piemonties.
0: And what's inside?
1: At the moment we've got uh, braised brisket uh, from the Wanderers. I think Wanderers is some of the best meat in uh, Melbourne. I love it. When I was working at Victoria by Farmers Daughters, we had a couple of their uh, steaks on the hanger and the scotch and it was amazing. I just fell in love with it. So I think it's a perfect perfect kind of meat for what we use it's uh, a little bit more fattier a bit more nuttier in flavor and uh, not too much sinew which is really good and then that is just braised with heaps of mushrooms um, seasoned with mascarpone and parmesan and then i make like a broth uh, from all the uh, braising juices and then the pasta gets cooked inside of that just before we serve it
0: oh so delicious
1: yeah well <laughs> you know that's That's how I like to cook the pasta. I like to cook it only about 15 to 20 seconds in the pasta water and then the rest in the pan.
0: Yeah.
1: Because for me, the pasta actually has to take on the flavor of the sauce instead of boiled pasta with sauce on top. Mm. It doesn't doesn't appeal to me really. You know, you need the pasta to absorb the flavor of the sauce. And so, you know, you just put it in the pasta bowl, just get rid of all the semolina and extra starch and get it cooking. And then... Rest in the pan.
0: And the Ligurian lady that you learned from, was that here or over there? No, that was
1: when I was living in Liguria. Wow. So um, I was at a restaurant in uh, Um It's been around, <coughs> it's been around, what, 50 years or so? It used to be two mission stars back in the day, like in the 19, 1980s. And uh, Signore Pina, uh, she was like the head of it. She's like, 86 years old. She passed away just before we opened this place. Unfortunately, but she really taught me how to cook like Italian food. And then also, I had a Piemontese head chef who was trained at um, Alma, who showed me the very technical sides uh, of Italian cooking. So I had the best of both worlds. And also, my partner, she's Ligurian. Ah. And so I learned <laughs> lots of little Ligurian dishes from her mother and nonna, which was amazing. So um, I learned a lot uh i learned a lot of that kind of ligurian style of things while i was there yeah but the majority of my knowledge for italian food was down in the south of italy when i worked at bros
0: Mm.
1: um yeah that was hectic The bros really, really, like I worked there for just about a year and a half and it was probably the hardest thing I've done in my life. I I would not suggest anyone to go there ever to work. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. It was was brutal. Um, It's what a kitchen should never be. Wow. But I just take the positives from the negatives and uh, that's all I can do.
0: So it sounds like a year and a half was pretty good going then. <laughs> yeah. To have lasted that yeah. long.
1: Yeah, I was, I was probably one of his longest employees. Wow. Yeah, I and was his right hand man.
0: And what led you there? How did you end up in Italy?
1: Well, when I was working at Grossi's, me and my partner, Maura, we planned a trip to Italy, because obviously she's Italian, and she wanted to show me her, her country. And I was like, yeah, let's go, let's go. And I was young, I was 20, I was 22 I think when we went. And um, I just fell in love with it. We traveled on the trains all around from the uh, north of Italy down to the south and back up. Um, And we just ate so much food. She showed me all these beautiful places. So we started in Ventimiglia, then we went all the way down to Pisa, Florence, Panzano and Chianti, where I did a stage with Dario Cecchini, who's like the master of the Florentina. Uh, Stayed with him for a couple of weeks, and then after that, down to Rome, then Rome to Sicily, and then we flew into Verona, and then uh, got to Modena, or that region. I ate at Osteria Francescana, that was like my dream as a <laughs> little as a little apprentice, being able to eat ostrich francescana. I, it was amazing. It's still probably one of the best dining experiences.
0: What did you eat?
1: Oh, I we ate. I can tell you a few. It was <laughs> like the five types of uh, parmesan, the burnt andedol lasagna, the big apple, a really cool risotto that, will, that was they spraying like a citrus spray everywhere which I thought was really cool. I've never seen that before. I know I was like 25 courses. Like wow, this, was wow. the year, this was the year that they got voted number one. Yeah. So it was very intense. And everyone, like, I didn't know what to expect because it was my first fine dining restaurant. Like, yeah, it was really good. And then after that, we came back to Australia. And I was like, man, I want to open up a restaurant in Italy. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And yeah, I just said, told guys, I'm off Twitter and then wow. we found ourselves in uh, Liguria. And then I realized you can't open up a restaurant in there. Uh, Italy. there's too much bureaucracy. And would it would it also be, how would
0: the locals accept an Australian doing that? In any way, is that a thing or is it just- No, lot?
1: they don't, they probably wouldn't accept yeah. it. <laughs> you know, it was a, uh, if, you, if you kind of venture off, that's why our city was was so, was uh, so cool because it kind of, modernized Italian cooking and they took a while to get up and going but they did it but if an Australian went over there I don't know I don't think it would work it'd take a long time to get it up yeah especially when I didn't speak the language so yeah I had my partner she was translating everything for me it was very frustrating so I just had to learn it (laughs) yeah
0: yeah so you speak it now
1: yeah yeah, but I speak with like a southern accent because I learned the majority of um majority of my um, Italian down the south. So then I had to relearn really how to speak when I was up the north because they yeah. speak very different. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was, Wow. It was like a. I had to learn Italian; otherwise, I wouldn't have survived.
0: <laughs> but I also think, and I say this as a French teacher, but I think when you learn a language, it does give you a a much better insight into the psyche of the people I think you you know you can understand a lot more by the language because as you were saying some of the words that 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 use even in cooking if you the direct translation
1: doesn't always work or Mm. it's got a
0: story behind it I think it's really good
1: to understand that exactly and like Italians speak with their hands a lot so I watched a lot of uh, MasterChef uh, Italia (laughs) and you kind of just put two and two together and watch their hand movements and everything and yeah, yeah. You can kind of figure out what they're saying after some time. Uh, yeah,
0: I lived in the south of France for a year, and um, and I feel like it's similar down there. Yeah, whereabouts? <laughs> uh, just out of Avignon and Chateau Renard. Okay, So nice. it's near Saint Rémy de Provence. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely. Ventimiglia, where I was living, is right on the border of France. It is. And yeah. So I was there for most of my time in Italy. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And so Barcelosi is the last restaurant just before the border.
0: Yeah right. I yeah. I went through there on the train from Nice yeah. um, to the San Remo yeah. leather market. <laughs> like yeah, total tourist beautiful. that it was. <laughs> San was beautiful. Yeah. So where did it all start for you?
1: As a, as a little a chef, chef, as a little ah. chef. Uh, I actually started cooking when I was fifteen. Oh. Um, I was actually wanting to be a concert pianist. I played piano for nine years beforehand. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I wanted to be a concert pianist. And my mum said, Well, just in case it all it all you know backfires, you need to get yourself a trade. You know, and something to fall back on. And when you're in your year six and year seven, that's what they really pushed for in Alveston, in my little town of Tasmania. You know, you've got to have a trade, you've got to be a tradie, a plumber. And I didn't want to be any of that. So they were looking I was working at McDonald's at the time. And I was like, yeah, cool. I might as well just, you know, try being a chef. I've always cooked with my mother. My first job was when I was 14 in a little takeaway store just down the road from where I lived. And so there was a local restaurant famous in our town called uh, Pedro's. Uh, It's this little bistro, like seafood bistro that is over the river. So it hangs over the river. So when the tide comes in, you kind of lay over the water. Wow. And a little, with a little uh, like fish and chip shop on the side. But I started as an apprentice in there. And um, yeah, I remember the first day I started, I cut myself like, real bad. I still got the scar on my finger. Just from straight through because I've never had a sharp knife before. Yeah. And so I was like cutting a to <laughs> And so that was my first day. Lasted half an hour. And then I went back the next day. Um, and then... Yeah, I just had all the shitty jobs like sh- shucking oysters. I used to do a hundred dozen a day. I used to have to, you know, cook hundreds of kilos of prawns because we used to wholesale them. Catch the lobsters out of the lobster tanks and had to get in there. And they used to wrap around my legs, and you can't touch them because they're expensive. So you have to put some fresh water on them <laughs> until what do you they. Which you're off. actually in the tank. Yeah, there's like a messy swimming pool full of uh, lobsters that we used ah. to sell. Wow. Yeah, how and right. so yeah, and so that's how I kind of started just like chaos it's and, a cool uh, start though yeah <laughs> and yeah that was with a lot of working with a lot of seafood and then i moved to another restaurant in penguin called wild cafe which really was like one of the best restaurants in on the northwest coast at the time it was like a French-Asian-infusion restaurant, like a 40-seater, and packed every day. I was like, cool, you know, new restaurant, let's see how it goes to see if I really like it. And it, I was so naive. I like, really didn't understand what chefing was. <laughs> it broke me. Um, and so I was like, fuck it, I'm not going to be a chef anymore. I, I quit for like two months, went back to school to continue studying my uh, to be a concert pianist. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I was like, Mama, moving out of home. and <laughs> moved out down to Hobart um, with a few of my mates. Uh, that lasted six months.
0: How old were you then?
1: Uh, 18. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Worked here for the Goodstone Group, just a nice little pub. And then I ate at a restaurant called Garage East, which mm. blew my mind. And I think at that point of my life, I was like... Why can't I do this? I'm just cooking schnitties and you know deep frying fish. Why can't I do this? And uh, I was, I sat down and ate a beautiful meal, and uh, then I said to my mum, "Was like I'm moving to the mainland. Like I want to you know work in these high level restaurants because they were closing down by the time like I think it was like one of the last few months of being open." I was like, I want to do something like that. I'm going to have a restaurant like this by the time I'm 30. She's like, you serious? I was like, yeah, yeah, you watch me. And so then I moved to Melbourne and started working at Grossies. And I was at Grossies for five years, from 2012 to 2017. And then, yeah, that's how it all happened.
0: And tell me about Geranium.
1: Geranium. Wow, that was awesome. (laughs) I had never wanted to work in Three Mission Star, so when I was working down in uh, Lecce, in Liguria, I was in, um, in Puglia, my boss, he was good friends with the general manager of Geranium, because he was also Pugliese, and he saw me work and he always tried to get me to work at Geranium, I was like, no, 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 don't want to work at Geranium, don't want to be, you know, a tweezer chef, I don't want to pick herbs. Um... And he kept begging me and begging me and begging me, but I eventually ended up moving to Denmark, but I worked at 108, so for the Noma group. Did a little bit of time in Noma, 108, and then COVID hit and 108 just went under. They fired everyone, got rid of everyone. And I got out just before he started getting rid of everyone, which was good. And I said, look, I'll come to Duranian. And so, yeah, I was there for a year and a half, I think. But that was intense. So
0: they were still open
1: during COVID? Mm, so cool. No, that- I got there just as we reopened. Oh, so okay. I was at 108 for the whole time during COVID. Oh, wow, okay. And then started Geranium, then we went into a second lockdown, uh, which was which was okay. The second lockdown down was uh, only like a month, okay. six weeks, I think. But the first one was like three months. Yeah. And um, But my time at Geranium... I decided to end up going to Gerrani because I was like, why not? I'm here. Um, I can learn how to work in a massive group of people because I've only ever worked by myself. I've never worked in a big
0: Ah, restaurant. I've always
1: been in a section by myself.
0: How big is the
1: staff? We had 40, yeah, 40 chefs. And then after the second lockdown, we had 15. So we were in the shit. Yeah,
0: wow. Yeah. Doing the same... Amount of cover, yeah, yeah, yeah well. even more
1: because we started opening up lunches on a vegan restaurant inside the same building called Angelica. So, one of your chefs had to go to Angelica, and the other one stayed in the section and did Maison Plus. He just sunk. <laughs> <laughs> it was like you know, you start at six o'clock in the morning just to be ready because by 11 o'clock you have to be ready for service. Service finishes at 4.30 five o'clock, there's another full dining room, yeah. So, you have to be like three or four days ahead of your. Like mise en plus with your sauces, and then just every day, just punching and picking herbs. Yeah.
0: So what um, do they have the same hierarchy in the kitchens? In yeah, the kitchen? even
1: even more. Like, I think it's probably the m- most amount of like labeling that I've seen in the kitchen. Oh. There's like, so you got Rasmus, who's like the executive chef owner. Then there's like two head chefs, two senior sous chefs, like six sous chefs. Oh. Like one for each section. And then under there's like f- five or six other chefs underneath them. Yeah, it was insane, and everyone plays a hierarchy card pretty hard. And
0: what what were you?
1: I was just a CDP.
0: Yeah.
1: But I was the only like I was the, I was the only one allowed to cook during service. Um because I was a, he Rasmus said that I was Australian, I shouldn't have known how to use a barbecue. <laughs> so okay so everything was like all the little veg was grilled and all the meat was grilled uh yeah it was it was the only cooking ever done in that restaurant
0: oh. but no
1: i was just a i was like a senior chef to party i was going to be a sous chef but i turned it down because i was leaving so yeah. i was like i don't want to take the job of being a sous chef and be a sous chef for two months no because yeah. i was going to go back to Italy for another couple of months before coming back here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So now you've realised
0: your dream of having your own place.
1: Yeah. Well, I got it by the time I was 30. Yeah. So Congratulations. <laughs> I, I, stuck, I stuck, <laughs> to my, stuck to my dream. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, does it feel different when it's your own
1: my place? My own. I'm just more relaxed. Ah. Yeah. I this place is be- not... It has its stressful times, but I've got no one to impress apart from myself, which is good. I don't have to prove myself to anyone apart from myself, which is good. I you know, 15 years of working for someone else and constantly being on edge, constantly making sure that you're doing everything how they want it. You know, it's a relief to be able to do something how I want it. And I think I'm kind of finding my style. I'm not the most creative person, and I don't really have a cooking style yet. I'm still trying to figure that out, but I feel that I cook very simple. I only have very few ingredients in each dish, but I execute it very well. I kind of take the ragu, completely destruct everything and then re-put it back together. I cook the veg separate to the meat and then I put it together, then I process, the Veg separate to the meat again, put it together again, you know it's like it's like flavor structuring yeah. instead of just all in a pot and then let it go. yeah I kind of just pull it all apart and cook everything perfectly, then bring it together so that's how I like to cook
0: and it sounds like you really like to know um, you know the background and the history of the dishes and so on as well, so that's
1: another layer of of course, especially when it's Italian yeah. Like there's so much, so much Italian food out there. And we just specialise, like, our main focus is Piemonte, but there is so much, so many dishes in Piemonte, like we could never put them all on. It'd be impossible.
0: Yeah. That's exciting though. Yeah. You're never gonna
1: run out. No. <laughs> no, no, the stories behind each dish are cool, like how they came to pass. You know, why is it done a certain way? Why is it called a certain way? That's really cool. Yeah you just can keep learning you'll never be bored yeah never be bored do you still play the piano? (laughs) No. No, I do sometimes when I go back home to Tassie like for 10 minutes and I was like I'm done yay yeah but no eventually I'll start again like once I have my own house that I can have a piano in there because I just I just I don't want to I don't want a keyboard it's not the same
0: no
1: I'm very I'm very picky when it comes to them
0: it's a grand piano?
1: Oh, just like a normal, nice upright. Stanley, yeah, yeah. Nice. Not Yamaha. Don't like the sound. Okay,
0: okay. All right. So quite picky with pianos too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and you've had lots of different experiences. Um, I mean, not over a long period. I mean, you're still young. Um, yeah. But what, what would your advice be to a young person who was thinking about becoming a chef?
1: Um it's always a tough one because it feels like you're throwing them into the deep end <laughs> but um, I don't know just really don't go to a restaurant just because was accolades mm. I've learned that just because they're the best in the world doesn't mean that you're going to learn to be the best I think do your research find a chef that you like find a chef that will teach you and that is willing to teach you and um I think that makes a difference because if you don't have a chef that doesn 't want to teach you you 're going to go nowhere mm. you just you 'll get very frustrated if they 're always yelling at you then just just go but do your research don 't follow the crowd find find one find a restaurant that really um really speaks to you that you seem really interested that you know that you can get the most out of you know. And then when you stop learning, move on. You're allowed to leave restaurants. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's hard to do, but you can do it.
0: Great. Thank you. No worries. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with McKay Wilde at Alta Tatoria. You can check out all the goodness on Instagram at Alta Tatoria, which is A-L-T-A, tra or at mckaywilday m-c-k-a-y-w-i-l-d-a-y and if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more stories from other chefs i'm on instagram at conversation with a chef you can read the chat at www.conversationwithachef.com and you can follow me on apple and spotify podcasts or maybe even anywhere else you get your podcasts <laughs> I would love it if you told a friend about my chats. And once again, thanks for listening. Have a great day.